This is Victoria. I am otherwise engaged or possibly just ignoring your call. Leave a message. Victoria. I don't know if you'll get this message and I know we haven't spoken in a while. I'm probably the last person you want to hear from right now, but I have to tell somebody about all this. I don't know. Maybe I'm losing my mind. It certainly feels that way sometimes, but then again, do crazy people actually question whether they're crazy or not? I would have preferred to tell you all this face to face, but there wasn't time. I'm on my way to look for Michael. He sent me this letter in the mail. Who sends letters through the mail anymore? I know he'd been acting weird before he left or disappeared or whatever, but this letter, it was beyond scary. I wish I could show it to you, then you'd see what I'm up against. The things he wrote, I just can't... Anyway, he didn't say where he was, but there was a postmark. Some town in Massachusetts. A place called Arkham. I'd never heard of it before, but that's where I'm heading now. Driving, obviously. You know how I am about flying. Anyway, I think he's a danger to himself, Victoria. Maybe to others, too. I don't know. Or maybe he's just in danger. Whatever the case, I've got to find him. Bring him home. Get him some help if I can. I owe him that much. Look, don't worry about me, kid. I'll keep leaving messages. I know I could just write all this in a text or whatever, but I feel like if I don't actually say what's in my head... Even if the words just disappear into the ether, well, then maybe I'll go insane for real. Letters from Arkham, written and performed by S. Lee Benedict. The voice of Victoria is McKenna Beaker. Victoria, it's me again. I'm outside Barstow. Car's giving me trouble for some reason. Only had it a year, don't get why it's acting up. Anyway, I'm waiting for a tow into town now. (laughs) A hundred miles. Guess I didn't make it very far. Pretty pathetic excuse for a rescue mission so far, eh, kid? But I'm not giving up. Not this time. Michael needs me, and I've let him down too many times. You too, I realize that. I hope you'll let me make it up to you once Michael is safe. I've been having this macabre feeling. Maybe I'm just paranoid, but ever since I left LA, I feel like, this is gonna sound crazy, but I can't shake the feeling I'm being followed. It's just a sense, really, but I keep having these little pinpricks on the back of my neck. This infuriating tingling that goes all the way down my spine. Ever since that letter from Michael, there's been this constant churning gyre in my gut. And I keep seeing this same car. A very distinct looking vintage deal. Old Mustang or Impala. Deep purple paint job, tinted windows I think. I'll look in my rear view and see it and then a second later it's gone and I don't know where it went. But then I'll pass some roadside station and it'll be parked there. 
always parked facing the highway. Of course, I can never get a look at the driver. I really don't have a reason to be panicky about it. I mean, this is the road to Vegas. Lots of people making this trek out of LA, but every time I see it, I get that tingling on the back of my neck again. I'm sure it's nothing. Or maybe it's just that greasy burger I ate at that truck stop outside Victorville. Should have waited for In-N-Out, right? (laughs) Anyway, with not much to do while I'm waiting for this tow driver, I read Michael's letter again. I... Well, maybe I should just read it to you. Dad, it's coming. It's coming, and when it does, it's over. For everyone, I mean. They are doing this. The ones in yellow. The ones in yellow. What is he even talking about? Do you know Victoria? Because I haven't got a clue. Wait, it gets weirder. I've been seeing them for weeks. Lurking in hallways, in my building, in alleyways, in supermarkets at 2am, at parties in the Hollywood Hills. They've infiltrated all the most powerful circles, and I've only just begun to understand their designs. I've come a long way to discover the whole truth, and I won't rest until I've uncovered it. By now you'll have realized I'm gone. Don't try to follow me. It's this next part that really worries me, Victoria. He says, I hope I'll see you again, but I can't guarantee that will happen. If I can find a way to stop them, to stop it, underlined, I will. I hope you'll be proud of me. Tell Victoria I love her. And that's it. You can see what I mean, right? Why I have to go after him? I lost his mother. I'm not... I I can't lose him, too. God, Victoria, if anything happened to either of you, I... Hey, Victoria, it's me again. My car won't be ready until morning, so I have to stay the night in Barstow. Those are words I never wanted to hear myself say. For lack of a better last-minute option, I'm staying at what I can only imagine is the seediest motel in a town full of very seedy motels. I'm serious, kid. This place is one creepy Victorian house away from being the actual Bates Motel. Right on the highway, too. I keep expecting Mother to appear any moment, kitchen knife in hand. Or was it technically a butcher knife? Whatever, call me crazy. Don't think I'll be taking any showers in this place. Anyway, I've been pacing back and forth in the parking lot waiting for the front desk clerk slash maid to change the sheets in my room. Fresh bed sheets or no, I think I'll be sleeping above the covers. No bed bugs for me, thank you very much. You know, before I decided to go after Michael, I went to his apartment in NoHo. I thought maybe his roommate could shed some light on Michael's mindset. You've met Dante, right? Of course you've met him. He and Michael have been friends since high school. The two of them were kindred spirits in a lot of ways. Both artist types, Michael the aspiring writer and Dante the aspiring actor, just like every other young person in L.A. Waiting tables to get by while scouring the trades for open casting calls on their breaks. Dante was in that jack-in-the-box commercial or whatever. Did you see it? Didn't even have any lines. Anyway, Dante was gone. The apartment manager said he'd moved out a couple weeks ago. Took his name off the lease, loaded all his stuff into a truck, and went. Didn't even give much notice, apparently. It made me wonder if it had something to do with Michael's recent behavior. Maybe they had a falling out or something. Or maybe he decided to give up on the acting thing and move to Orange County, for all I know. But the apartment manager was nice enough to let me into Michael's place, but only because I was nice enough to slip him 50 bucks. 
The apartment was pretty spartan on account of Dante vacating. He must have owned most of the furniture in the place because pretty much all that was left was Michael's bed and dresser. Oh, and that one painting you made for him. Remember? That dark, eerie thing with the farmhouse and that alien entity reaching down from the stormy sky? Your work was always so abstract. Made me feel like I was in an acid-induced dream just looking at the stuff. Well, don't get me wrong, kid. I, I'm not knocking your art. I, I've always been an avid admirer of your work. In fact, I took the painting with me. If I'm not able to get Michael back before they throw everything in the dumpster because no one's paying the rent, I didn't want your painting sharing the same fate as Michael's futon. But speaking of dreams, mine have been unsettling of late. Unfamiliar faces and desolate places making me wake up in the middle of the night sticky with sweat with a sense of impending doom. I... Wait, that's not... That can't be the same... Victoria, it was the same car. The one I told you about. The muscle car. Deep purple paint job, tinted windows. It was driving real slow down I-15, and I thought it was going to pull into the motel parking lot, but then it just stopped there, idling. I think it saw me standing there, and it peeled out, tailpipe spewing exhaust like one of the hellish creatures in your paintings. I think the driver's side window was rolled part of the way down, and I think I saw a flash of... yellow? I don't know. I chased it half a block... Not sure why. Even if I saw the plate number, what did I think I was going to do with it? Call the police and tell them what? Tell them some purple muscle car is following me? I'd sound like a paranoid nut. I'd sound like Michael. I shouldn't have said that. Whatever Michael's going through, it's nothing to make jokes about. What is happening to me? I'm just on edge. My nerves are shot. It's just been a long, long day. I should have been halfway to Denver by now. Anyway, I'm walking back to the motel now. That room better be ready. Forget what I said about mother and her butcher knife. A shower and some rest will do me some good. Yeah, that's what I need. I'm shaking right now. I can barely hold the phone. I saw something. I mean, I think I saw it. I I don't think I should tell you this. Never mind. Sorry, Victoria, just ignore this. Okay. I've had a minute to collect my thoughts and I changed my mind. I have to tell you what happened. I'm not crazy. I'm not. I settled into my room a couple hours ago. Took a shower, just like I said I was going to do. Water pressure was crap, and I had to run the water for five minutes to get all the rust out of the pipes, but after that I was feeling a little more refreshed. I got ready for bed, but thought I would watch TV for a bit, take my mind off things. The motel sucks, but at least they have HBO. Anyway, I went out to get some ice, maybe get something from the vending machine. They were both around the back of the building facing the rear parking lot. I started feeling that tingling on the back of my neck as soon as I rounded the corner. The parking lot was dark except for one streetlight that was strobing on and off like the inside of some funhouse ride. I don't know why I didn't turn around and go back to the room right then, but something compelled me to keep walking, like I wasn't the one in control. I went right past the ice machine, into the parking lot. It was there. The purple muscle car. Maybe it was that strobing effect from the streetlight, but I don't think I saw it right away. 
or at least it took me a minute to become fully conscious of its presence. It was almost as if, as if it only existed when the light went off, barely visible in the ambient moonlight. And when the parking lot light flashed on, the car was gone. Well, not quite gone exactly, but not really fully there either. I know it doesn't make sense, Victoria. I told myself it was just a trick of the strobe, but I don't know. The car's engine was off, and the interior was pitch black, the driver's side window open. And when the light cycled off again, I saw thick smoke billowing from inside, wafting out the open window. The driver's arm was dangling out, all casual like, like some teenager waiting to pick up his girlfriend after school. A small flame, the red-hot end of a cigar, I think, illuminated the interior for just the briefest of moments, but it was long enough to get a glimpse of the driver. I can't describe his face, meaning it was the kind of face that was pretty much the definition of nondescript, but his eyes, like two glassy black marbles recessed too far back into the man's head. I'm calling it a man, but to be honest, I can't really be sure, but he, it, was wearing a hat, like a fedora, but with a wider brim and it was a muted yellow color. Of course, I instantly recalled what Michael wrote in his letter. The ones in yellow. Was this one of them? I read that letter dozens of times, always thinking that was part of Michael's delusion, but what if it's not? Or am I just now sharing in that delusion? What's that French phrase, folie deux, madness of two? that would be one reasonable explanation because what happened next, what I thought I saw next, could confirm a true lapse of sanity on my part. The driver's arm, the one dangling out the window. I looked at it again and that's when I realized it wasn't an arm at all. It was a slinking, undulating appendage I can only describe as a tentacle, a sickly green color, pink underneath. And as I stared at it, it twisted unnaturally and began to stretch. It slithered down to the ground and then moved snake-like toward me. Every instinct and impulse in me told me to get out of there, to run like hell, but my feet were plastered to the pavement. I opened my mouth to scream or call for help, I I don't know, but nothing came out. The tentacle thing inched closer and closer. My mind raced with all the horrid thoughts about what would happen when it reached me. I felt sure it would wind its way up my frozen body, circling around me until I was completely bound by it, and then it would squeeze, extracting the breath and life right out of me. It was almost to me when I became acutely aware of the electric buzzing of the overhead light. It had remained dark the whole time that thing crept toward me, but just before the tentacle arm reached me, I heard a pop. The light came on, the lot bathed in light once more, and then I was free. I ran, back to my room. I slammed the door shut, locked and bolted it with that change sliding lock thing you always see in hotel rooms. I paced around for a minute, not quite knowing what to do. I made sure every light in the room was on. False sense of security, maybe, but I wasn't taking any chances. I felt sure at any moment that tentacle thing would burst through the door, locked or no. But it didn't. I sat down on the bed and stared at the door for what seemed like forever, flinching at every sound. I was certain that every passing car I heard was the purple muscle car. I realized then my heart was beating out of my chest, and that's when I called you the first time. But I needed to give myself a minute to calm down and collect my thoughts. I think the danger is over for now. In fact, I'm beginning to think I imagined all of this. Did I even leave this room before to get ice? Maybe I dreamed all of it. The muscle car parked out back, the tentacle thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a much more logical explanation. 
You know, I haven't slept since I got the letter from Michael. I've probably been up for almost 48 hours. Sleep deprivation, that's all it is. Yeah, that's all it is. Victoria, why aren't you calling me back? Are you really that mad? Please, I, I need to hear your voice. I'm heading out. Hopefully I'll make it further today than I did yesterday. I slept for nine hours, so I'm rested now. When I woke up, I thought I might call it a day, head back home. In the light of day, things didn't seem quite as dire, but then... Victoria, I just don't understand what is happening. Just now, when I went to check out, the girl at the front desk said she had something for me. A letter. It had just arrived a few minutes before, she said. Good thing you didn't check out early or you would have missed it, she said. And as she slid it across the counter, I got dizzy and thought I would pass out right then and there. The envelope was addressed to me at the address of the motel. It was postmarked with a stamp and everything. Arkham, Massachusetts. I didn't have to open it to know who it was from. I recognized the handwriting. Victoria, call me back. Please call me back.